You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. It is Encounter with God time. We've got a couple of text messages. You guys are being a little bit quiet this morning, but we're looking forward to hearing more from you as we get into our Bible study. Love to hear what you've got to say. Uh, before we do, we have another question for our quiz. Here we go. This is a multiple choice, so get those thinking caps on. The Book of Philemon was a letter written to three people. Which of these four names was not one of the recipients? So who wasn't mentioned in the Book of Philemon? Philemon, uh, Archippus, Archippus, Onesimus, and Aphia. So I'll read that again. Philemon, uh, Asip. Asihippus. Asih- Ar- Ar- <laughs> <laughs> this is so good. I'm it's, not even going to help just, you. It's A-R-C-H-I-P-P-U-S. Archippus. Archippus? Mm. Okay. Onesimus. <laughs> I know that one. And Aphia. It's on, not Onesimus. It's Onesimus. <laughs> Get lost. <laughs> uh, which one of these people aren't mentioned in the book of Philemon? Or weren't, they weren't, it was, the book of Philemon wasn't written okay. to them. That's that's what I was trying to say. Okay, which one was it not written to? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Okay, so that was a butchered quiz. If you, yeah, that's <laughs> tough. Those names are super hard. But I have, hey, a, I have a good authority from a Greek person that the correct pronunciation is Onisimus. Something, something close. Something close to that. Okay, I, but I if you if if the, you know the answer, right. then you will go into the draw to win the great prophetic books of Daniel and Revelation, the study journal that you can get all your notes in, and then understand Daniel and Revelation either in book form or in audio form by Mark Finley. So zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Okay, heading across to your text messages. We've got a couple of them here. Uh, Gulf countries and Protestantism, it only means that Jesus is coming. He can save you anywhere. Time is short. And this is one of the things that we have wondered about the 1040 window, where it is so hard to reach people with the gospel message. What we're finding is that as the 1040 window grows in wealth, migrants are moving in there and taking the gospel with them. And even though they may not be able to go door knocking or something Mm. like that, then uh, they are simply sharing the gospel with the people around them and people are coming to Jesus mm. and the witness is going out. That's the most yeah. important thing, so praise God. Then another text message here, sex, gender, flexibility, Satan never sleeps. Unfortunately, his followers are many. There are a lot of mentally sick people around. Mutations, if left to themselves, will die out naturally. God can save anyone. Mm. So a couple of very uh, important thoughts right there. But right now we're going to go to our Bible study and we would love to hear what your thoughts are on the Bible study. And also question of the day, we need to uh, build up our bank of questions for question of the day. Uh, so do send your question through for question of the day. Yesterday you missed out because we were in John 16 talking about the Holy Spirit. But mm-hmm. the good thing, Lawson, is that you didn't miss out on everything because we didn't finish it. So we're back in John 16. John 16, let's go. Uh, let's go. Flick open the Bible. So this morning... In fact, what we're going to do is we're going to back up maybe a tad from John 16. We're going to look at the work and function of the Holy Spirit because that's what this passage is all about. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go to John chapter... We're going to start this one, this Bible study this morning in John 14. So let's go back to John 14. There's a passage here that I want to draw your attention to. Let me just find it real quick. Uh, John 14 and verse 26. John 14 and verse 26, the Bible says, But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything, and he will remind you of everything I have told you. Okay, so here we're talking about the Holy Spirit. What does, what does the Bible say? One of the functions of the Holy Spirit is 
here. He'll teach you things. He's going to teach you things. Yeah. Okay, so uh, just to point out the obvious, when the Holy Spirit comes, there are things you don't know. Sure. Yep. And when he arrives, he's going to show you things, new things. Yes. That you now know. Uh-huh. So he's going to teach you things. Uh-huh. And those things are going to be in relationship to the truth. Mm-hmm. So there will be things you don't know about the Bible. You'll be reading the Bible. The Holy Spirit will be like, Lawson, stop right there. You nearly skipped over it. You <gasps> nearly missed that. I'll be like, okay, I'm, I've got my right. hands up. Yes. You I'm stop. Re- you go back. You read it and go, <laughs> wow, I've never seen that before. You are learning new things as the Holy Spirit is teaching you new things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will be times when the Holy Spirit, when, when you will be doing things and the Holy Spirit will come to you through your conscience and will speak to you and say, Lawson, don't. Mm. And you will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. You will respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the more you respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit, the more ability you have to be able to hear, the the more sensitive you become to the voice of the Holy Spirit Mm. and are able to hear it, and the more truth you will learn. So there's the first thing that the Holy Spirit will do. The Holy Spirit is going to teach you things. Okay, let's go down to verse chapter 16 now. Mm. And we're going to read the last few verses here. We're going to skip forward a bit. Uh, Verse 13 and 14. In chapter 16. In chapter 16. The Bible says in verse 13, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. Okay, so if we work our way through here, uh, just pointing out the uh, personal pronoun all the way through here, he is mentioned nine times, uh-huh. and this is not because you know God is interested in giving his pronouns. He's interested in pointing out the fact that as the Holy Spirit, he's a person. Yeah. You know what? It's so interesting. I, uh, I've looked at this passage before with an Islamic person, and they told me that this is referring to the prophet Muhammad. And that's why it has personal pronouns. And they were trying to prove to me from the Bible that uh, the prophet Muhammad, he's like, see, see, this doesn't sound like the Holy Spirit. This doesn't sound like a ghost. It sounds like a person. And I'm like, then I just went back one page to J- John chapter 14 that we just read. And I'm like, hey, here's this other time where the same being is mentioned and they're called the Holy Spirit. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, it does seem to be a, a like a well, it's not Muhammad, but no, it's not it, Muhammad. It has personal it's, pronouns it's a as person. a being would. Yes, mm-hmm. well, who's who says who's to say that a ghost isn't a person? If the Holy Spirit, you know, because the Bible, the old English version says the Holy Ghost. That's right. Uh, and I don't understand what kind of a being that is. Yes, but it's a being. Mm-hmm. And why would you assume it's not a person? Mm-mm-mm. You know, what, what What defines personhood? Do you have to have a body, a physical body to be a person? Well, we understand that there is like a spiritual reality and realm that we don't have the ability yeah. to see. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, so notice uh, as we go through, how about he, when, he, when he, the spirit of truth, will come, he will guide you into all truth. Mm. So first you find the Holy Spirit as a teacher, the second you find the Holy Spirit as a guide. And I've used this illustration before, but we're going to mention it again because the Bible talks about the Christian life as being a journey, mm. as being a pathway. The Bible says that Jesus is our light. 
The Bible says the word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Mm. And a path indicates movement. It indicates that you're not static, that you are moving forward. And Jesus says, you know, walk while you have the light, else the darkness overtakes you and you won't know where to walk. And so if we've got a path, then what we have is the Holy Spirit is to guide us on that path. We've got our own personal tour guide to guide us through life, mm. which is always a valuable thing to happen, to have. You know, it can be a little bit challenging at times when, you know, the battery goes flat and your blue line disappears, your blue line of navigation disappears, and suddenly you've got to find your way to a particular location by, you know, a bit of guesswork, a bit of dead reckoning, a bit of, like, how am I going to find this? You know, back in the day we would pull out this um, thing called a map and it was on paper and it, the batteries never went flat. Dude, but I would, I, I, it would make my life exponentially more difficult if I didn't have Google Maps. In fact, probably one of the scariest times in my whole life, and this, I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious by saying scariest because it's not that scary, but I was really worried because when I was 17, I was delivering pizzas for Domino's and my, I was on the scooter and my phone went flat and I didn't know where I was and I didn't know where the place was and I had to drive around this suburb for like 15 minutes trying to find this street and I finally found it and the person was like watching me on the on the map thing, oh, like no. the tracker they're like, and they're lost. like man like what were you doing and I was like I'm so sorry <laughs> but, but oh man I've had so many situations like that where I've just well, luckily, you know, you usually have a charger in the car, but, like, your phone, I don't know, goes flat or something, and then you're just, like, sitting there waiting on the side of the road for your phone to, like, charge up enough so that you can get to the place where you need to go because you don't know where it is. It's back in the day when we left home, we would have to, you know, double-check, make sure that there was a map under the front seat. And if we're going to a city other than the one where we were, we'd have to go and get the applicable map book for that mm. city and take it with us. Um, whereas these days, we've got to remember to take our phone charger. Yeah, yeah, you don't go. You don't go on a trip without it. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And praise the Lord for that. How things have changed for the better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it is a, it is a great illustration of how the Holy Spirit works because you mm. ever notice that you know you can you can be following the blue line of navigation on your phone, and you can take a wrong turn. Yeah. Does your phone yell at you? Well, sometimes it says. You turn ahead, like when you've when you've missed the uh-huh. turn. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It, it starts to give but you some it, reminders. Does it does it does it um, start smacking you around the head? Yeah, it doesn't grab the wheel. Does it grab the wheel? Does it try and force you? No. Now, provided that your battery stays charged and you've got a charger with you, let's say that you are here in Newcastle and you set your phone uh, to go to Brisbane, and so now your phone is going to go to Brisbane because that's where you need to be. Mm-hmm. You're going to do meetings in Brisbane. You're going to share the gospel, whatever it might be. Uh-huh. Okay, So you're going to go to Brisbane. And as you are leaving Newcastle, instead of turning right to mm-hmm. go towards Brisbane, you're like, no, I'm going to rebel. And you turn left to go towards Perth. To go to Perth. <laughs> yeah. Right? To get as far away as possible. At what point will your phone give up? Literally never. Literally never. It will always be pointing you back in a quiet calm voice to the destination you need to be at. Mm. And that is just like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never give up. You might reach the point where you can't hear it anymore. You might reach the point where you've been driving around Perth for so long that you don't even see that thing on your screen anymore. Mm. 
your brain just doesn't register that it's there because you've been ignoring it for so long. But it's still there. Mm. The problem is not with your phone. The problem is not with the Holy Spirit. Mm. Because the Holy Spirit is always there pointing you in the right direction. The problem is with you. Yes. And this is the great thing about God. He will never, ever give up. We can we can rebel and God will always say, okay, you rebelled. This is where you need to be. Mm. Like, no, I like my rebellion. Okay, you rebelled again. This is where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm staying in my rebellion. It's like, yeah, okay, you rebelled again. By the way, this is where you need to be. Mm. Just that still, small, calm voice telling you to do a U-turn and go the other direction. I don't know if we're going to get there, but I always like think about the Exodus and consider how merciful God was to Pharaoh. Like, literally up until the guy's death, he was giving him constant signs to turn around. But we see that Pharaoh continually hardens his heart, which is super sad. But, like, we like what we see reflected in the book of Exodus is God not giving up on Pharaoh until the point that he kills him. Yes. And we see yes. previously that if Pharaoh had have changed, like, the same situation came upon Egypt in Genesis with Abraham, and God was... Pharaoh there. repented. And then God was like, oh, sweet, okay, I'll let you go back to what you're doing. Like, yeah, I won't, you know. Look what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, that's right. And Nebuchadnezzar turned around and God's like, okay, you, you're back on your throne. Yeah. So, like, God is so merciful. He's so loving. And, you know, even we talk about those guys going through incredibly difficult situations as a result of their rebellion. rebellion but it shows us that God is continually working. And it starts right here, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit touching the heart. You know, if that then manifests into physical things that happen in your life, you know, like it did for Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar, then it will. But it starts right here, the Holy Spirit touching your heart and leading you close, trying to lead you close to God. Yes. David says, bless you. Amen. Because you sneezed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, where are we going? We were so, we, so we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So see, here's how the Holy Spirit works. Uh, the Holy Spirit teaches you what the truth is. You start walking in the truth, and then as you're walking in the truth, sometimes you're a little bit unsure as to okay, this way, or that way, and the Holy Spirit. This is the way you go. Uh. Mm-hmm. All right. Then what happens? <laughs> let's go back uh, to the verses we were reading yesterday, chapter sixteen, and we're going to read uh, verse eight. Chapter 16 and verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So much like the blue line of navigation. Mm. Just always saying, you're going the wrong direction, turn around. Do you mm. turn? Here's a great place where you can turn around. Oh, there's a roundabout. Why don't you use that? Yeah. You know, when, when as soon as you go off the road, wow. the moment that you go off the road... The Holy Spirit is there to bring you back on mm. and to show you, by the way, the shortest route back. Mm-hmm. So when you when that blue line of navigation on your phone, uh, when you've taken a wrong turn and it doesn't go in like, well, you know what, I'm going to uh, punish this guy by sending him back to Brisbane via Darwin. I'm going to cut the battery. The, your GPS yeah. is just like, oh, oh I've just like under. That be maybe a Tesla could do that actually. Like you've t- taken the wrong turn, and then the whole car just decides to shut down until you want to go the right way. Now that's pretty. That's pretty dystopian. That's pretty totalitarian. But yeah. but um, yeah, it doesn't do that. No. So this is um, 
this is a great illustration here of what God is doing for us. The Holy Spirit teaches us the truth. The Holy Spirit guides us as we follow the truth. And then the Holy Spirit convicts us when we rebel from the truth. Mm. It's really that simple. Okay. Uh, then the Bible is going to go on and give us some reasons for this, of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Uh, so verse 9, 10, and 11. Uh, verse 9, 10, and 11, the Bible says, The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Okay. Oh, there you go. He's already been judged. Mm -hmm. He's done. Who's the ruler of this world? Good question. What are your thoughts on this? Um, So, the ruler of this world, my mind immediately thinks of also the, the the word ruler isn't capitalized. So my mind goes to like thinking about Satan. That's right. Uh, where it's like, there are some people who could look at this verse and say, Oh no, this is talking about Jesus because he's about to be crucified. No, this is, Satan. but this is talking about Satan yes. he, because even Jesus himself later calls him the prince of this world. That's right. Um, and how does he, in, like, how does he inherit that rulership? Well, over the fact that everyone has chosen to follow him. Yeah. So, yep. And, and this is and this is the position that Satan has always claimed for himself. This is this is what he claimed for himself when he went to heaven in the story of Job. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a consistent position that Satan has always had: mm-hmm. is that you know, planet Earth is my toehold in the universe. I'm hanging onto it with both hands. Uh, this is mm-hmm. the this is the one place that has accepted me, and so I'll I'll have it. Thank you very much. And mm-hmm. God has always disputed that, and God has judged Satan because of that. And, of course, Satan's never had a complete toehold down here. There have always been people who have been followers of God, even in the world's darkest moments. Mm. He has never had universal control of the world. Mm -hmm. All right. Then we have these verses here in uh, verse 13 and 14 that we read finishes off in verse 15. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Okay. So some people would say that in this particular passage that the Son is subordinate to the Father and that the Holy Spirit is subordinate to the Son. Mm-hmm. But actually it goes against the passage itself because Jesus says, you know, all that the Father has is mine. Mm. In other words, he's saying, I'm equal. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have anything I don't have. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything he doesn't have. Mm-hmm. We're equal together. And so it actually clarifies this particular uh, position for us. And then it says, like, that's why the Spirit would tell you everything he receives from me. Like, it always, it, it, it puts the Spirit, I, I believe, on an equal level, where he's privy to have that, that relationship with Jesus, where he's coming and, and talking to people. It seems as though these people aren't different in terms of equality, just function. Yes. They're, they're the same. They just do different things. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to move on in our Bible study. The next passage we're going to go to as we look at the work of the Holy Spirit and the divine human combination, because this is really what we're looking at, is you know we are, we are sinful human beings mm. who become partakers of the divine nature. Mm. So we have a sinful nature that partakes of the divine nature. How does that actually work? We're going to head over to Colossians chapter 1, uh, okay. verse 28 and 29. So Colossians 1. Uh, verse 28 and 29. Let's head over there. And what are those verses got for us? So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone 
and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us, we want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship with Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It's the Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, and Lawson is about to bring us the next question for our quiz. Man, this uh, this section snuck up fast. I was about to tell Shell something in the studio. I was about to tell her that when I eat baked beans, I put the baked beans on the toast, and then I eat the baked beans by themselves off the toast, and then I eat the toast by itself because I just like the sauce, and it's just too much of a hassle to eat the baked beans on the toast because they go everywhere. So I just thought everyone should know that because it was queued up in my mind to say to Shell, and then she's like, hey, we're about to go on. Get back in the studio. So, hey, you're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, and I'm talking about some amazing breakfast food. But, hey, what we're going to have another one of is a question for the quiz. Rehoboam was the son of which king of Israel? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you can go in the draw to win the great prophetic books of Daniel and Revelation. This is a study journal where you've got the verses above and then you can write down notes below and on all of the things that are amazing. Uh, And then we have Understanding Daniel and Revelation, both an audio version or a book version. You can take a pick of either that you can kind of go through as you're journeying through. So basically, you become your own prophetic theologian. Not that you become a prophet, but you become a theologian of prophetic books but 0491 is the number to call or text and again that question was Rehoboam was the son of which king of Israel mm, okay so Braden sent through this text message a little while ago and uh, I want to go through it now it says regarding the interview I haven't seen the movie what is a woman but seen some of the interviews from it so mm. I've seen the movie um, and though I don't agree with all the Matt Walsh has to say or his methods, from what I have seen, he makes some good arguments. If there is no male or female, then what are you choosing to be? They think this gives them choice to be what they want, but how can they choose to be something you're saying doesn't exist? I'll stick with the model given by God and practiced given by God and practiced in nature. Mm. And so and, and this is one of the things I think that uh, everybody should watch that uh, particular movie called What is a Woman by Matt Walsh. I have seen it and it has very, very powerful arguments in it. And at the end of the day, basically what it comes down to is you've got lots of people who say, well, I have chosen to be a woman. And he says, well, what is a woman? And uh, the reply is a woman is somebody who uh, who who identifies as a woman. And he says, well, what are they identifying as? And the reply is, well, a woman. Mm. And they actually have Sound. no idea what they're identifying as. Mm. Uh, <laughs> or they just complete, they just can't admit it. Yeah, and and they, they none of them, you know, he points out on numerous occasions, okay, so that's, you realise what circular reasoning is, right? And they're like, yeah. And this is, you know, and, and but then they just dig down deeper and there's some very, very challenging interviews there that will really make you stop and think about you know, the whole radical gender ideology that is sweeping across our world right now, um, I, would, I would highly recommend it. You know, you don't have to agree with everything that's in there, but I, I think that it 
it's a discussion that our world needs to be having. And if we're not prepared to have that discussion, we're not prepared to look at the evidence that is out there, then there's a problem. So, mm. yeah, Braden, you might have seen a few shorts from it. Uh, jump on there, watch the whole thing. Mm. Okay, where are we heading? Uh, we were looking we're in the at, Bible. We were in Colossians. That's right. We were in Colossians. We read this epic passage that we really has lots of words compared to your one. Yeah, mine's got like three lines for those two verses. Yeah, mine has seven. That's a lot more words yeah, than that. Let me read again. So we tell you about Christ, wanting everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Okay, let me simplify this for you. Uh-huh. Whom we preach, uh-huh. warning every man uh-huh. and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Amen. So there's the simple version. <laughs> That's the uh, KJV version, by the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the Bible says here that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Mm-hmm. How you doing with that, Lawson? Presenting every man perfect in Christ. Uh, you, you, be, you being presented perfect in Christ. Oh, how am I doing? Yeah, how are you doing with your perfection lately? Well, you know, you know me, Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> it speaks for itself, really. Like when it comes to the topic of perfection, it speaks for itself. It does. <laughs> what does it say? When it well, speaks for itself, what well, does it say? You know, you've got ears to hear. La, I do, I do, I do, and I hear lots of things. Oh, oh no. <laughs> yes. Why do you say oh no? But I didn't say that. I didn't. I thought it, but I didn't. Did that come out of my mouth? I'm like. All right, so here's one of the here's the interesting thing about perfection. Perfection is perfection used to be a hot topic. I remember back in the nineties, everybody used to get bent out of shape over this uh, concept of perfection. So let's talk about it because the Bible's here. I here, love talking about uh, this. that. We may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Yes. Okay, so uh, let me ask you this question: Is there any sin that a human being cannot overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit? No, no. Okay, so then if any sin can be overcome. Mm-hmm. Then theoretically, every sin can be overcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, why don't you put up your hand and say, "Yeah, I'm perfect. I haven't sinned for three days." <laughs> <laughs> um, because it's because it's simply not true. Because I think although every sin can be overcome, yes, and 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 in the end, every sin will be overcame. Yes. Like we'll we'll be made from imperfect to perfect. Uh, the re- By Jesus. Yeah, the reality is the, the big question that people have is, well, where is that line? You know, where is that line of like, okay, if everything sin can be overcome, then what is God is expecting for me? Is he expecting for me to overcome every sin? God is expecting you to be as close as you possibly can to him. God is expecting to be for you to be fully surrendered. That's right. And by your surrender and submission, you will then experience a life with Christ, which will lead to a perpetual journey of overcoming sin. And what and what does it look like to overcome sin? Well, it looks like to first have the presence of sin in your life and to struggle with it and then overcome it. Now, we understand from the Bible that you can overcome sin and then fall to it again. Like, it's, that's it's very clear. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times and gets that's back right. up again. And, but it's that's where the relationship with Jesus comes in. It's like, though you fall, you come back. 
That's right. And I believe what it shows us when it says to be made perfect before Christ, like the journey of being made perfect towards Christ and how that actually takes place is a consistent commitment to repentance. Which is the next verse. Mm. Where Paul says this, where also I labor, Mm. striving. So this is work, right? Mm -hmm. It's a dirty word in Christianity. Mm-hmm. According to his working, which works in me mightily. Okay, so the Bible talks about Paul talks about uh, him that is working within me. Who is it that works within us? Christ. It's Jesus working within us mm. by the power, by the power of, the, of the Holy Spirit. By the power of mm. the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what are we striving then for? Are we striving to gain victory over temptation? The answer is no. Mm. We're not striving to gain victory over temptation. We're striving to be surrendered to Christ. Yeah, because not even Jesus had victory over temptation. Think about this. Like he whoa, was whoa, tempted. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, I mean, finish this thought. No, no, no. Let, finish let me finish this it. In the in the fact that temptation existed for Jesus, I, I don't mean that he fell to temptation. Sorry, okay. that's not what I said. That that's sounded the, really dodgy. Yeah, 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 like, not that Jesus fell to temptation, but Jesus himself experienced temptation. Jesus never came to the point in which he said, "Oh, well, I'm not even tempted anymore." Yeah. Like we're looking just before he hangs on the cross, he says to God. You know, if it be so, let this cut pass from me. He did not want to go through it. He was tempted to opt out. But did, he was re- tempted in all points like as we are. Yeah, that's so right. So the temptation was just as strong for him as it is for us. And so although we experience temptation, what God is seeking from us is to continue to be submitted to him and even if we fall, to come back to him and submit. Yes. That's what he wants. The battle is not to gain the victory over the temptation. The battle is to be surrendered to Christ so that Christ can gain the victory over Amen. the temptation Oof. within us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we're about to have questions today. Before we do, as always, we have answers for our quiz. Okay, here we go. For the first question, the answer was Genesis. For the next one, who can find a virtuous woman or wife? Her price is far above rubies. That's a question that I ask every day. Um, the next one. Uh, who were the two faithful spies that brought a good report out of the promised land? That was Caleb and Joshua. The book of Philemon, which uh, was let, written to which three people? Which of the four names was not one of the recipients? The person who wasn't a recipient. That, now, they've mentioned in the book of Philemon, but it's Onesimus. He wasn't a recipient of the letter of Philemon um, because he was with him. And now, finally, Rehoboam was the son of which king of Israel? Solomon. Okay. So if you got those correct, good job. Well done. You have got your name as an entry into the draw. But right now it is time for... Question of the day. Okay, and question of the day today is... This This is an awesome question. Regarding Revelation 10, the angel put his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. What is the significance of the land and the sea and his left and right feet? And Heidi sends that one in. Okay, so this is a really good uh, observation here. So Revelation 10, I saw a mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, a rainbow was around his head, his face was like the sun, his feet like pillars of fire. He had in his hand a little book, book open and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the earth. He cried with a loud voice when a lion roars, the seven thunders uh, spoke. Uh, and then you've got um, here in verse 6, you've got what he actually says. He swore by him that lives forever and ever who created heaven and the things that therein are, the earth 
and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. So essentially what you've got is a mighty angel comes down, he places one foot on the land, the other foot on the sea, he has a little book open in his right hand, and obviously on the authority of the message of that book, he proclaims the message of time no longer. Mm. (coughs) Excuse me. So... What's the significance of him placing one foot on the land and one foot on the sea? Well, obviously the message that this angel is carrying is applicable both to the land and the sea. This is why he's got one foot on both. He's like, I'm not leaving anything out, uh, so we need to understand, all right, because this is a symbolic prophecy. What does the sea symbolize? What does the land symbolize? And if you go to Revelation chapter 17 and verse 15, the Bible says the waters or the sea where you saw the whore sitting, uh, are peoples, multitudes, nations, languages, and tongues. So the sea or the water in the Bible symbolizes people and where you've got a lot of water, like as in a sea, then a lot of people. So densely populated areas. In contrast to that, he puts the other foot on the land. The land is the is the opposite. The land, you know, if if... If the sea symbolizes an area of densely populated people, then the land is going to symbolize an area of sparsely populated people. Mm. In other words, the wilderness areas of the world where very few people live. Mm. These are often the areas of the world that are last entered by the gospel. They are the least uh, reached out to. They are those people groups that, you know, kind of nobody takes that much notice of. It's like, well, do we really send our evangelists there? That would be hard work to be a missionary there because there's kind of very hardly anybody there. Mm. What the message here is is this, this message of time no longer that is spoken on the authority of the little book that is in the angel's hand is to go to the densely populated population centres of the world. So he puts one foot on the water. So you're thinking about, you know, your big cities of the world like Mexico City, New York, London, Singapore, Newcastle, Tokyo, Newcastle, New South Wales. Your big population centres. You're talking about your heavily populated regions, places like India and China, where there are literally billions of people. But then he doesn't just stand on the sea, he also places his other foot on the land. And so now you're talking about your sparsely populated areas, your areas that are maybe in the Amazon where it is a wilderness area. This message is to go to every single human being on this planet. And I also quickly want to say I misspoke when I was giving the answers. Oh. The answer for the quiz was who can find me a virtuous woman? And, Not wife. And, and you said wife. I said wife. Because maybe I was reflecting a little bit of my own, you know, personal journey. Uh, <laughs> who can find? Well, that's that's what the. Well, I kind of think that if you find a virtuous woman, then make that person make, your wife. Yep, get in. That's right. That's right. But hey, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call for that price. And don't forget to spend some personal time with Jesus today. Don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. Bias counts.
Jesus, God of hold you. With the sheep securely fold you, God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet again at Jesus' feet. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.